RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, we are so happy to have you here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. I want to thank Chavo Guerrero Jr. for a great podcast last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it for whatever crazy reason, I suggest that you do great stories. Uh, got some great funny stories, some rib stories, and uh, some serious stuff about Eddie Guerrero and his passing and uh, and also the Chris Benoit situation. So be sure to listen to that if you haven't already and uh, check out their beer. Uh, uh, getting a lot of uh, good reviews from fans and talent alike. So I want to thank Chavo for that. And uh, have a cool guest on today. Uh, you've heard of him before. He's uh, been on a couple of times and uh, very popular here on City Ringside. He is uh, a guest on... Keeping it 100 with Conan and uh, recently uh, been seen on Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Women. And I'm talking about Glenn Gilberti, the Disco Inferno. And I always like to catch up with Glenn, hear what he's doing and hear his thoughts. Because the one thing Glenn is not short on is opinions. We're going to talk to him about WWE and the state of the product. We're also going to talk to him about AEW and what he thinks. And I want to hit him up with my conspiracy theory on his uh, Vince Russo's conspiracy theory on AEW and WWE working together. So uh, looking forward to that. So without any further ado, let's get to it. The one and only, the man of a thousand opinions, the Disco Inferno, Glenn Gilberti. Always fun on City Ringside, catching up with my old friend, the Disco Inferno, Glenn Gilberti. And uh, we want to bring him on and uh, see what has been going on in the life of the formerly known as Disco Inferno. Glenn, welcome back to City Ringside. What's going on? What's up? So we haven't spoken in a while. And um, uh, to start things off, uh, I wanted to get the whole story behind you missing the Jericho cruise. You're the only talent that, that, that didn't make it on board. So, uh, right. wondering what the were you were you on it by the way? No, I was not on. Okay, no, it's just simple. I haven't traveled overseas in a long time because I have a regular job. So then I had to figure out. Okay, I, I didn't know if I had to get my passport renewed or not. I had to get it renewed because it's been like forever since they got it renewed. So when I went to go get the forms to get it renewed, they there was a thing like it's been so long since it's been renewed that I would have to go to the embassy or something and set up a meeting. It's just ridiculous stuff, right? The embassy to so get then, your passport renewed? So something like not the embassy, the like um you had to go you couldn't just fill out the form. It had been too long since I previously did it'd been like a, a, a matter, like twelve years had expired as yeah. opposed to ten. So you gotta go like the city guy set up a meeting and go meet with them and stuff. But then I looked on the on the thing on the cruise and just said you had to have a uh, either a real driver's license or a birth certificate or a birth certificate with a, with a one of those new the new the new driver's license. The, the the real IDs that they're gonna that they're, they're, people are gonna have to use when they travel and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but that that, that that's not true because I know for a fact because I was in, involved in the cruise industry. Uh, they will not let you on a cruise uh, if it's stopping somewhere else without a uh, a valid U.S. passport. I've seen I've seen crying women. I've seen crying women beg for their chance to go on with their kids, and they will not let them on. No, it was a, it was plain as day in the, in the Norwegian. If if you're leaving from the same port 
if you're going, if you, if all you're doing is, is is leaving and returning from from the, from a U.S. port, okay, Norwegian Cruise Lines, you could either have a passport and driver, or not a passport, birth certificate and driver's license, or real ID, okay, because you're not, you just can't get off the ship at the other place, right, or whatever. If we're docking anywhere, I don't know. So, uh, so I, I I sent away from my my birth certificate, and I was going to get it with about like like six days to to, to spare. And for some reason, they said it was in the mail on UPS, and it was ne- it was not being delivered for some reason. So then I had to wait. And I, uh, I was waiting for my thing, and it never got to me. So I went to get the real ID uh, on the day before I had to leave because the passport never showed up. Or not, not the passport, the, the, the birth certificate. So then I went to the thing, and it was Nevada day, and the drivers, the DMV was closed. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So you didn't have anything. Nothing. And you got on the plane. You the got thing, on the plane anyway. Here, here was the thing. No. Uh, I, I didn't get on the plane because I was like, what the, what the frick am I going to do? So, because uh, the thing was, here, here was the main thing. The place in New York I went and got the driver's license. They actually had, they said, okay, like it was supposed to be because I paid for it. Because I paid like, that'd be like 80 bucks for it, right? For, for the birth certificate to get expedited, to, to get it like, you know, sent like immediately. It was said like I had a UPS tracking number and everything. And it never left the, the, the point of the point of eventual point of uh, de- the destination, whatever. It just never left the destination. I had a tracking number. I had the UPS, and like every day, I'm like, I'm like, when is this thing being sent? And then so I called the place, and they were closed because it was like some some other holiday in New York or something. But some ridiculous stuff. So, so I was maybe like, maybe maybe they were closed because of sickness, like the like the yeah. uh, like the clothing store in my cousin Vinny. Right. <laughs> closed because so, of yeah. illness. Yes. So that's why. So I just didn't get that in my documents anymore. So who's the first person you call, Conan or or Jericho? Jericho. And did he rib the hell out of you, or he didn't have time? Well, he ribbed the hell, yeah, he ribbed the hell out of me. But I mean, I'm sure he didn't have time. <laughs> and and did you speak to Conan? Because I know that you were going to be part of that uh, radio uh, of the podcast live. Yeah. What well, did- yeah, but we do that thing every we do that thing every week for like two and a half years, almost three years now. So that's not like you know, that's no big deal. How long did it take before the ribbing stopped? Oh, I didn't care because you know you're going to get ribbed. Yeah, but I wasn't there. So who gives a rat's ass? <laughs> well, you could rib on social media these days. Oh yeah, you can. But they were they were ribbing me on the on the cruise, and I went at the cruise. It's like I, I didn't, you know. So here's a million dollar question: Are you invited back on the next one? Uh, I I don't think I can go on the next one because it's in January. January's convention season in Vegas. Like that's our busiest time. Like we can't, we can't like like that's the thing in our club in, in January in Vegas. You're you're busy. You can't really take take vacation. Would you be invited back if you could? Uh, yeah, sure, of course. Would you get a passport this time? Yeah, of course. Actually, I've got all my other documents now. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Actually, it's Royal Caribbean that I've seen them. That that that. Uh, I don't know about this new driver's license thing. Maybe it's changed. I haven't been involved in the cruise industry in a few years. Well, yes. Yeah, so, well, it's, cha- it's in the process of changing. You know, the, the real ID thing. So it's like uh, called call the enhanced ID. I think some states call it. But eventually, I think it's going to go to that. So. So you've been uh, in Impact Wrestling lately. Uh, how did that come about, and uh, how are you enjoying it, if it's still going on? Uh, how am I what now? How, are you enjoying yourself back in a That's, television setting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how did it's that fun. come together, other than the fact that they were taping in Vegas and you happened to live there? Um, how did it come? Sure. Just did they call me up and ask me to do it? Were you involved at all in the creative process or anything no, like that? Not really, no. I just had an idea for stuff for me to do, and I just went and did it. I still train. I mean, I still stay in ring shape and stuff. So it's not like it was, you know, I still work shows every now and then. It's not like I'm like, you know, I was like, I'd been dormant. You know what I mean? 
No, no, I know, I know. I'm just uh, wondering if uh, you pitched any of your creative, uh, uh, your creative uh, uh, ideas to uh, Scott and uh, Don. The, uh, well, maybe just like you know, we, I mean, not like any big creative meeting. I mean, they, they gave me some stuff to do, and like we we tweak it together. You know, what, the creative process didn't take that long to do, to be honest with you. Did you do the deal? It's been a while now. Was that you that did the deal where you got knocked out and you thought you saw Vince Russo? Yes. Whose idea was that? That was Callis's. Oh, that wasn't your idea. That's a di- yeah. you got to admit that's a disco type of uh, uh, booking deal. Um, yeah, I mean, like you know, that's like you know, it's like right in my alley, right? <laughs> hey, just to set the record straight, because as you know, we asked on uh, Twitter for questions for you. I know you spoke about this in um, in our full podcast that if. Uh, uh, folks haven't listened to, they could find it in the archives, uh, spoke about your entire career pretty much. Um, and we would like catching up with you on a, on a semi-regular basis, but we did have a question. So just to set the record straight, I know the answer, but just to set the record straight, what's the difference between, uh, not wanting to put over Jacqueline and WCW just cause we had a question on it and what you're doing in your current situation, which is basically putting over the women in impact wrestling. Just obvious, it's just such a simple answer. The culture was obviously different back then. That had never been done before, and it had never been done until until like I did. And then, then but then China came along and changed the game. So then China came along and changed the game. But now it's like professional wrestling's in this place where, you know, the fans all know it's a work, and they they treat they don't even treat it as any type of suspension disbelief anymore. They they just look at it as what you're doing as a performance, and like you know they're not like really like like at no point does a fan think that the matches at any point are real and there's no suspension disbelief. And you can tell by the way the crowds react that they don't, they don't care. So you just have a, a bunch of like a fan base now that just accepts it. You know what I'm saying? And just like you, you can do stuff like that. It's just a different, uh, you know, and if it, like, like I said, the, the people that the fans that are, that are watching are the ones that are, uh, that, that are, you know, they're like, like the, they're, they're the ones that are accepting it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's ads advertised. You know what you're going to get into. You're getting into if you're watching it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you were yeah. asked to put over Jacqueline, uh, it was the first time on a national level that any uh, man had been asked to put over a woman wrestler, correct? Yeah, but the but the other but the other problem with that is always was my terms of service. Sure. You know, I go, I go, what's going on? You know, what's going on? Well, what am I doing next? And the bookers tell you, it's easy to disappear for six months. You got four months left in your deal. What? What do you? You know, that's obviously a different circumstance. No, I, that's yeah. why I said yeah. I knew the answer to yeah. the question. Uh, right. Which women have you enjoyed working with and impact the most? Tessa, Tessa, the, the, the two, they're, they're, they're the two, the, the two that are uh, had the most potential draw draw money. I think. Yeah, we. Had- I, I mean, they got they got they got they have, they have some few they got some talented girls there. You know, like they they like they're they're uh like the top of their female roster is pretty good. We had Gail Kim on a few a few weeks ago, and she couldn't stop raving about how good Tessa is. Is uh, do you back that up? Yeah, she's really good. She throws it. She looks more her work, like her strikes, uh, look look better than like ninety percent of the guys. Is she stiff or just works? Nah, good? she works good. So, are you done there, or should we? Are we have we not seen the last of uh, no, 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 Luka Birdie? No, no, they'll bring me in for uh, random things here now. You know, now and then. You know, I mean, like I'll, especially when they come to Vegas. How's the How's the locker room back there? Uh, really good. Yeah, when I was really, there, it yeah. was too. Yeah, really, really good crew. Um, it's a uh, it's, it's 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 different, you know, than, than like what, what you're used, to, you know, the, the what we the, what we used to see, you know, back in the day. But it's still a good locker room, you know. So, do you watch the current WWE product? 
I, I'm in the process where it's gotten so bad that I actually quit watching it. What was the last show, like the last pay-per-view you actually sat down and watched? Uh, a couple matches from the Superstar Showdown, whatever, that the Saudi thing. Oh, so you did watch that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, like, like, when you say watch it, like, I don't watch Raw and SmackDown. Like, if, 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 if wrestling interests me, like, if they're doing good stuff, I'll watch Raw. I'll watch SmackDown. I'm just not watching those 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 two shows right now because they're not they haven't tickled me. You know, I, like I don't I don't I'm not I'm not interested in anything they're doing right now. What do you think the issue is there? Uh, there, God, there's so many. I mean, bro, there's so many issues just collectively right now that there's a there's a niche audience for professional wrestling. It's all one big giant echo chamber. It's where they've accepted that the the wrestlers don't have to really look having any particular look about them. It doesn't matter how, how undersized, oversized you are. And when the characters are, you're trying to get characters over uh, during a period where it's like it's 50-50 booking and you're scripting promos for them that just don't do anything for their characters to advance them. It's just like they're just in a, in, they're, they're in a rut is, is what they're in. Creatively, the work, all the matches look the same. Uh, I, you know, if I see another dive through the second and third rope on, on a Raw, I'm, I'm going to have a heart attack. Um, the girls wrestle just like the guys. Uh, they just, you know, it's just, it's the product is just very, very, very stale. So to me, my, in my opinion, and so, I think it shows in the numbers, you know? So you're a wrestling, somebody's a wrestling fan who's always had ideas all the way back to WCW. Any idea how they get, cause I agree. I think they're in a rut. I think they'd probably admit they're in a rut. Any, any, any idea on, uh, on your opinion on how you get out of a rut like that? Well, you got it. It's a star driven business. Okay, and they they need to they need to quit chopping Brock uh, Braun Strowman's legs off when they're when they're tying a rocket to his back because it's like you know it's like uh you know they put the they put the jet engine behind him and then it just runs out of gas after like three weeks you know what I'm saying it's like if you look back at at, at WWE or like the building of stars it's like there would be like if you're building a heel the guy gets like heat like like a lot four, five, six weeks in a row. Then the Bayface makes a big comeback, you know, and then, 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 then the heel does the job, but then the heel comes back even more dastardly. Just like, you know, like a baby face, like, like Stone Cold was going over Vince McMahon like five, six weeks in a row, Vince McMahon to get revenge on him. And then Stone Cold would start another run of going over on Vince McMahon and just amped up to like, like the next decibel level for four or five, six weeks. It's just, just constantly that the one thing they've shown, we mean Conan talk about this in the podcast all the time. And if you look at all of their characters across the board, where they are now in the card and what they've done in the past three, four, five years, every single character, if you look, what they've shown as a company that they're really, really good at is getting people over to a point so they can bury them. Because that's what, if you look at every character, there's a story of each character that's been over at some point on that show. That's what they do to them. And for, for what reason, maybe it's just because you're playing an audience of one and it's Vince McMahon and just the, the, this entire roster that they have just nobody impresses Vince enough to continue to push to the moon, you know? And that's, and if you, if you talk, you hear people in the company, you know, that, that work there, that's basically what they say. Yeah. You know? Some would say it's more like the, the, uh, they're pushing WWE as the cavalcade of stars and not any one person to put a rocket ship under. Maybe because, uh, you know, every time, every, almost every time they put a rocket ship under somebody, they end up going to Hollywood and getting uh, uh, million dollar movie deals. Well, plus two, um, you know, it's like they have a, you know, what I call it, like their show right now, their structure of the way the company is structured, it's a corporate structure. 
They're a global marketing machine. Like if you if you talk about global marketing, and if like you want to point to a company that you want to study the way they market globally, like I, honestly, I mean the W for, for entertainment companies, the WWE is the first company you're gonna look at. You know, say for all the countries that they perform in around the world and what they do to market their product. You know, they're they're, they're even more so than like than the way soccer in the NFL does. You know, sure. so uh, so so what they've done is to like. If they've made that the focus of, of keeping that company alive for, you know, the rest of Stephanie's life, Shane's life, whoever, you know, the, the, the family, okay, is that they built a factory down there in Orlando where they churn out wrestlers in the factory and they, you know, send them into the feeder system onto the main show. And if they get hurt or don't get over, they just kind of like discard them and just bring somebody else up from the factory. And it's like, if you look at it, that's kind of what they do. And then like, that's the business plan they've adopted. And if you even talk to them, like the way, the, the way they show up, but like, that's what they're doing. They're building a plant that produces wrestlers like, like, like they're commodities. They stick them on the show and make them wear. And then plus two, the three hour show, bro, these guys are doing a lot of work out there. You know, like, like, like kind of like, it kind of got back to the way we were with Nitro. We were doing two, two segment matches and stuff. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of work on the show. Yeah, you know, we were, you know, like, and that's what the boys, that's what these guys are doing, and they're, you know, because that happens, you know, they, they get hurt, you just put them on the shelf, you bring somebody else up and stuff. So as it's very difficult when as fans you see that's what they're doing to get emotionally invested in that product. It's like you don't really care because they really haven't made done things to make you care. You know what I'm saying? They they treat the wrestlers like commodities, and they give them bad very. They they don't give it. It's like on it's like on that show. It's like three hours of scripted television from everywhere that comes out of the, the mouth to every move they do in the ring. That's the feel I get. It doesn't feel organic or natural when I'm watching that show. That, do you kind of feel that way too? Uh, I just kind of fast forward to it. I DVR to well, fast forward right, to right, it. That, do you do, here's, here's what I do. The, the, when I do watch a show, I'll DVR it. And we're, we're West coast. So we're screwed. I, I can I get to wait till eight o'clock PST to go. You know, so the show's already aired. If you've been on social media on your Twitter while the show's on, unfortunately, you're getting spoilers, right? So what I do is I DVR the show. I'll read Jason Powell's review on ProWrestling.net. And if it reads like some stuff that I'd like to see, I go back and watch the stuff I want to see. Then yeah, that's, that's how I'd watch that's, it. That's right. exactly what I do. And I'm a, new, I'm a news junkie, as you probably know, through right. uh, social media. So, you know, I'm watching, I'm fast forwarding through six hours of primetime DVR uh, uh, from all these different uh, – uh, cable networks, news networks. And then, you know, so it's like, I don't have time really to sit there and watch three hours of, or I'm watching the Rays Cause I'm a huge uh, Tampa Bay Rays fan. And, you know, so, you know, games are three hours long and I, right. you know, I, I, uh, I DVR and, the post game. So and it's just, it's just, if, right. If it doesn't matter what time you watch it, you could consume all this on YouTube too. You know, the, the YouTube views are like, you know, it's very easy to watch these shows. Like, if you Google something like that's on the show, like, you know, Ms. Finn, you have Ms. Wrestle Finn Balor, you do Ms. Finn Balor, you got to, there's an eight minute, eight minute YouTube clip of the match right. you know, that you can find. So, so it's very easy. It's very, you know, three hours is too long to just sit through that show. Okay. So it's like, that's really the, the way a lot of people probably are watching it these days. I do yeah. think three hours is way too long. When they were building Kofi up, uh, mm -hmm. I got, was interested in that. And uh, so, um, 
Uh, plus, I was a big fan of the Daniel Bryan gimmick uh, that he was doing as a heel. Uh, that I assume he's still doing, but not as world champion. So I would watch a lot more SmackDown, and it goes by a lot. Qu- you, the difference between two hours and three hours, that extra hour is a killer for it's sure. It's a killer. Absolutely it is. And, uh, you know, and when, when you're doing that, this this is what happens. You know, when, when you're doing the show like that, not a lot is happening on the show. You get what they get every week and where they're basically from the time the show starts to the time the show ends – they're losing four four hundred to five hundred thousand viewers from from the eight a.m. audience to the to the eleven p.m. audience. Like so, if you live, and that's that's a pretty consistent formula. And what happens is, is the thing is like you sit there because it seems like everything they do on that show follows the exact same formula, especially if it starts out with an interview segment. Okay, a guy gets in the ring, he cuts a promo, the guy interrupts him on the ramp, and then like I'll just ask you. What happens 90% of the time from that point forward? A match is made. Right, right then and there. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so that is a very formulaic, like, like when, when you watch that week in and week out, you're sitting there saying to yourself, you know what? A 13-year-old kid that's watched this show for like three months in a row could, could write this show. Like he's, he could probably figure it out what, what, what they're doing because they're doing the exact same thing every single week, almost every single segment. You know what I'm saying? So when you, when you do that, it's like you lose your... Um, what's, what's the word? You lose your mental interest. It's like they're, they're not challenging you mentally. They're doing things where you know what's going to happen next. And that's the worst thing is, is, is it's like watching like, the, you know, like, like watching the women's soccer team play, play a team they're supposed to beat by five goals. You know, it's like the score is nine, nothing. And you knew it was going to be nine, nothing. But it's like, there was no way I was going to watch that thing for start to finish. You know, and it was nine, nothing when I knew that was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So that's, a, that's the feel I get when I see what, it, what the type of show they're doing every week. Let me ask you a question. Everybody raves about NXT, and it's a totally different format. Uh, it's a one-hour show. It's a totally different format. Um, do you think if um, if Vince were to retire tomorrow and put Hunter in charge, who runs NXT, do you think that that same format uh, would work on a national, international, uh, primetime level? Or do you think that's just a simple format that they've used on a one-hour internet show uh, and it, and really, it's not going to work on a uh, three-hour national broadcast. Well, when you talk about national, okay, international, like when, when you really. go national, international. This is This is a perfect example. This is a good time to like, we I can we can talk about AEW. Okay, um, when you're talking about national, it's like there's a there's a market of fans that you have to look at that you want to tap into. Okay, and it's basically I think it's like 18 to 45 year old males is like the target market. You know that that's your target. TV market, but the WWE is producing a lot of childish kind of television. They want kids watching it too, right? So let's say it's like you're trying to draw between like an age of 10 to 46, 45 year old, 45 year olds. It's like, you know, what do you do to get that audience? And where, and why is there's so much of that audience that exists today, but so little of it is watching professional wrestling, you know, because like the WWE, if you go by the culture of professional wrestling, you look at Raw, that's a flagship show. How many people are watching Raw is basically gauge of the gauge of the business. Well, they just did like their lowest rate rating ever, you know. And I'm just professing that there's just not a lot of people that are fans of professional wrestling anymore in the in the form of like you know what we grew up, what what our professional wrestling was, and what the professional wrestling is today. You know what I'm saying? It's not really like when, when you're watching the, the the premise of professional wrestling was was characters that were having disagreements with each other cutting promos in character and going out there and talking about beating each other up and fighting. And it's now as we kind of like talk about it as a performance, the guys are going out there performing, 
the fans are just applauding the spots and doing the chants and the cheers and stuff. And it's just like, I just don't think that like the, the way wrestling is presented today, and this is all, all across the board, you know, the way the guys work, everything. I don't think it resonates to, to, a, to a large mass of people. And that's just my opinion. And I think the numbers show it right now. Like, bro, here's, Dave, here's, here's the most fascinating number of, of, of professional wrestling. In 2000, the year 2000, the median, age, the median age, which is the middle number, like where half the fans are on one side and half the fans are on the other right, side. Right, right, right. The median age was 27 years old in 2000. Do you know what the median ages of the, of the, the wrestling, the, the raw fan is today? Take, take a while, I guess. 16? No, 52. 52? 52. Okay. The fan base, and you look at the numbers, or TV numbers, and if you look at that number over the course of that time, and you look at their graph and their chart of where, like, you know, you, the ratings, where the ratings have gone down like on a slope, if you look at, like, like that, that bar graph, right? Bro, the fan base is literally dying off. Great, I'm 53. They're, 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 I should be gone by I'm now. Say, I'm say, like, <laughs> at 52, half the fans are above 52 years old, and half are under 52. Bro, where are where have all the new fans? There's there's no new fans coming. Well, they're watching and NXT. They're not watching NXT. That's only like one. But how many people watching NXT? I don't know, but so Mike, my son's a huge wrestling fan, and he doesn't really watch Raw or SmackDown anymore. But he still watches <laughs> NXT. Yeah, but your son is in the is in the demographic of the people that that watch wrestling today, which is a small number. You know what I'm saying? Plus, he's a son of a former wrestling announcer. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's what I'm saying. He was, you're, you're, you're talking about a kid that's like a second generation guy for somebody in the business. Yeah, he watches it. But where are all the other people that are watching it? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, like, so I'm saying that's why I think AEW, AEW is like in a very, it's a very weird business venture that they're taking that they're, they're hitting the wrestling market at a time when, when there's never been fewer people watching it. You know what I'm saying? And I just think, I just think, that the echo chamber of professional wrestling is is dry. It's just like bro, I, I look at it as like 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 you know like like it's just like politics. It's like the fake news media, right? There's there's narratives that are driven in professional wrestling that the echo chamber all believes. And like me, I'm I'm always the guy that's outside the box. I kind of look at things like very you know I'll, I'll call it like I see it. I'm not I'm not gonna trumpet the you know. I'm not going to be a fan of professional wrestling if I don't like the stuff. You know what right, I'm saying? I'm going to talk right. like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I just think that the way, the way this product is and that, that for, for like, like, you know, when you got like Dave Meltzer telling you saying there's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan. And I'm here on the house, you know, I'm outside the bubble. Go, wait a minute. There's never been a worse time. Nobody's watching the shows. You know what I'm saying? So you get a disconnect there of like where, where our narrative is being driven and it's like, everybody's just accepting it. And we're ignoring the flaws that are taking place as the fans are disappearing. That, Did, that's the way I look at wrestling today. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that for Father's Day, I was going to order some Twillery shirts. And I got them in the mail, packed as promised, and uh, got the untuckable shirt. I got to tell you, I'm not just saying this. It may be the most comfortable button-down shirt I've ever had. It keeps you cool in the Florida heat and doesn't wrinkle at all, which for a slob like me really helps. In that vein, shirts shouldn't wrinkle, itch, or sweat. It's 2019. You should have comfortable shirts, and Twillery makes stocking up on your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit guarantee. They offer non-iron, untuckable, which is what I got, and performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each when you bundle four or more. With free shipping and returns, try on some Twills, risk-free. After all, feeling is believing. 
In just a few moments, I'm going to give you a great offer if you go to twillery.com slash ringside. But first, let me tell you a little bit about the history of Twillery. Twillery is built on a century-old family manufacturing business. They still make millions of shirts a year for leading brands, and they leverage those contacts and their team's technical know-how to keep costs down while maintaining their high standards in quality and craftsmanship. What a value you get. The Shop in Bundles model gives guys access to shirts that competitors are selling for $100 plus for only $55 per shirt. There's free shipping and returns and a free brushed nickel collar stay included with each shirt. As I told you, beautiful packaging stellar customer service pre-printed return label and box if you need to return it you got everything that you need for a cool comfortable shirt and all you have to do is go to twillery.com slash ringside twillery.com slash ringside you will get $25 off your first order that's $25 off a great twillery shirt or you could get a bundle of four for 55 per but go to twillery.com slash ringside for $25 off did you watch double or nothing uh, I watched some of it and it was like, um, it, you know, it was, uh, did you, did you, did you hear my Cornette's review of that? Got a lot of heat. No, bully, bully, okay. Corn, Cornette's reviews get heat. Wow. That surprises well, me. But, but, but he, but it was a pretty honest, fair review of the show. And of course he got a lot of heat and people all over you. Hey, well, this, I'm telling you, these, these fans are today are so fickle and like this millennial crowd and everything. They're so offended it's like they want to be, you know, it's like there's not honest discussions that take place that much. You know what I'm saying? You usually have to bring a guy like me on. This that, is why that, you're here. That's saying like a contrarian that's like pointing out things saying like, you know, hey, you know, guys, guys, you know, maybe the work, maybe this whole thing where everybody talks about this is the greatest array of talent they've ever had in professional wrestling. And I'm going like, wait a second. <laughs> why, why are people not coming to watch the shows then? You know, I'll profess that like as everybody talks about the, the, this roster, like this, this. You know the talented wrestling days better than we were. I'm like shit, bro. We used to get pops from just punching a guy. You know, it's, 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 it's like it's a totally, totally different right. business. Yeah, I go. What you guys have to do for your pops compared to what we had to do is like you're trying to tell me that you're, you're more talented than I am. I mean, it's like come on, it's go, like, back, know, it's like, right, go, go back, go back and watch. Yeah, go back to the '70s where the finish was a body slam. That was the finishing maneuver, quote unquote. But, but not, so not even that. All you really got to do is go back and watch in the '90s and watch the the emotion in the crowd every night yeah. and they're just, they're going crazy. They're friendly. They're bad. You know, they're, they're passionate. They're rowdy today. It's like the fans are polite. They applaud the wrestlers. They want everybody to do good. The Bay faces the heels because you know, everybody's, it's a quality and everybody's all happy and we're all, everybody's a big happy family and stuff. It's like, it's, it's not really like competitive. Like you used to be, bro. Like, we, like you, you've been to shows. You remember walking around our locker room, but back in, you know, you, you walk in the locker room at, at a nitro and you walk around and you're shaking guys' hands, bro. And guys have big forearms and big hands. And we're still you know, Rick Ruse there. And stuff. you're looking around, you're shaking. And then you go in locker rooms today, and it's like it's it's all a bunch of like your kids and stuff and everything. And like you're just wondering, it's like, wow, I just want you know, is there something to this? It's like I wonder why the not as many fans are watching. They're, they're, you you either watch guys like this, you know, a bunch of kids performing art, as they like to call it, like it's a performance, or do you want to watch grown men go out there and simulate beating each other up? You know, and I, I'm sorry, I just think the older formula is the one that was proven successful as opposed to the one today. Yeah, I don't know. Time, time is going to tell for sure, because uh, it does seem like AEW has uh, has has momentum uh, based off of that last pay-per-view. Well, and so that's, I'm going to give I'm going to call a false narrative on that. OK, bro, it's just it's 
it's the shows that it's they've got momentum, but they've got the people that are already in the business supporting them. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no out that they're not touching like like they're not getting outside the box yet and touching. See if see if fans can get interested in this. Well, they're not on TV yet. No, they're not on TV. But I'm saying like they'll sell out shows. But if you look, bros, a lot of those people go to the same. There's there's same people that go to WrestleMania. The same people that go to. SummerSlam and NXT takeovers. It's like it's like this fan base today will travel, and that's like they're that that's like they're like you know they're like like they're like they're gypsies following this stuff, you know. But um, well, if they got a hundred thousand people to pay fifty bucks for a pay per view with no television, I I I, I differ. I beg to differ with you a little bit. I'd say that they got some you, momentum. But you don't need television today. You just got the brother. The world, the, the web is is a far better advertising tool than television. I guess, yeah. You, you know, know you know who was early to that? Uh, Jeff Jarrett was early to that. Yeah, I mean, like, bro, you how many? Okay, honestly, how much time do you spend on your on on your phone and your computer as opposed to watching television every every day? You know, I you're cr- definitely engaged on on the phone and the computer way more than TV. So it's like you know, so two people are getting you know consuming. Right? Then, then that's a fascinating thing. If you look at like the, the followers, there's like a hundred million people following professional wrestling, you know, on Twitter and stuff, and, just, and, all stuff, and they can only get a million point, 1.5 million people to watch the show on Monday night. That's the scariest part about it. It's like the show is, is you know, it's, it's like, it's like weird. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is a three hours. Maybe what it is, but like right now it's just, uh, the three hours not- certainly doesn't help. I remember when, uh, when Jeff started global force, which is about 10 years ago. And, uh, I called him and I said, you gonna, you know, we're talking, st- shooting the shit. And I said, you know, any chance for television? He said, Penzer, it's a different world out there. You don't need t- television anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you just need to be on a medium. You need to be on a platform, uh, whether it's Netflix, whether it's uh, Internet, YouTube. And uh, so I think he was way ahead in his thinking, not to kiss Jeff Jarrett's ass, but it's the truth. So why not say it? it? it but it is, it is true. However, this is why the people keep, keep, people keep saying, like, oh, there's an indie boom going on. You know, you can do that to promote smaller, you know, smaller shows. But ultimately, to be successful, you're going to have to get the masses if you're going to national television. You know what I'm saying? And that's, you're just, this is what you're going to have to do, you know, because that's what, that's what the networks want, you know? I think it's fat. Like, like you, here's the funny thing, too. You hear these stories, like all these little niblets coming out, like where, you know, F- Fox wants this talent on the show. Fox wants Daniel Cormier to do commentary. Fox, bro, it's like their Fox is looking at the WWE's numbers. And I'm thinking they're getting buyer's remorse because like I've never seen Vince McMahon like be pushed around like he like like they're doing right now. Like like they're kind of getting bullied, you know, by like by like the advertisers, the social media platforms, the uh, you know, Fox and stuff and everything. It's like, you know, it's just like uh I don't know, man. It's just it's it's a very interesting, different time than professional wrestling. I I I thought that because the rating is, is is bad on Monday night, and there's literally people like me and like you. That would probably watch the show if it was really good, right? I've said all along, AEW should just go head to head with them on Monday night because there is a core audience of people right there, okay? That will change. You know, first of all, WWE is losing four to five hundred thousand viewers for, from the start of the show to the end of the show every Monday night. So that's four hundred to five hundred thousand raw viewers that potentially are turning that show off. That would probably turn on AEW, okay? So you got a half a million right there to start off with. You know what I'm saying? Then you probably have the engagement of people that haven't seen in a while that heard about it. Like, hey, I heard there's another show on Monday night. Bro, if they go, if they don't go on Monday night, I think it's a bad mistake because what I don't think, if you look at the numbers of professional wrestling, you look at the echo chamber, you look at how few people are watching, if they go on another night, 
I mean, do you really think that wrestling fans, as they're not watching wrestling as much as they used to, are ready for an additional two hours of wrestling every week? Or were they I don't rather know. Just I don't know, but you know, that, that, that's my question. See, these are questions that nobody asks. Yes, that, and that's you why we have that, you on. But right, that, takes, that, 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 that would take balls, Glenn, because you remember, and if you don't remember, let me remind you that there was nobody in WCW not even Eric Bischoff himself that thought that we had a chance to be successful head to head with, uh, with, uh, Monday Night Raw. He was, it was, as you remember, uh, Turner in a meeting said to Bischoff, what do you need to compete with those guys? He goes, oh, head to head Monday, never thinking in a million years was going to happen. And so Turner said, sure. And so there was nobody. So, I mean, yeah, were we successful for a while? Yeah, ultra successful, mega successful. A lot of things had to come into place, but, but I don't know. That's a risky move, man. Bro, I don't, I don't think it is risky at all. And that's why I'll, I'll, I'll differ. Because they, bro, that's the WWE right now is there, and they were vulnerable back then too. That's why we turned it around pretty fast. You know what I'm saying? For, for, for a year, we was like, wow, we're competing right off the bat. They're very vulnerable. The yeah. show's not good. It's like you know, it's not, it's not like they're killing it. You know, well, you're trying to go like, like, like they were killing it a few years ago when TNA tried to go head to head. It was just like a blip on the radar. They're not killing it anymore. I'll tell you this you know much. There's enough of people. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, was, I told my kids this, uh, and I'm going to tell you this. If they, if whether they go head to head or they go on a different night, if they start catching fire, w, my prediction is they will, Vince will do something. Vince, Triple H, whoever will do something to change the landscape of that company and they'll catch fire again because nobody knows it more than we did. Uh, nobody was watching that I, show. I'm going to be a contrarian. I'm going to disagree with you. Let me tell you why. Because back, because right now, you know, you could stick you could stick your middle finger uh, up at political correctness back in the day. We could do a bunch of shit. It's like you can't do a lot of that stuff now. There's a lot of stuff you could probably do to get ratings, but if you tried to do them, the social justice warriors would come after you. The, you know, the people started going after advertisers. Just this the outrage culture will not allow you to tap into this audience like it needs to be tapped into. Because I just don't, you know, it's, it's, you just can't do those things anymore. Like, per, 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 per example, like, if you want, if, if Ron wants to, like, this is just, to me, it's just common sense. But the stuff like, the typical reaction of any wrestling fan is, oh, you can't do that. That says, yeah. bro, if they, they had like a, if they had a, like a, the WWE Raw bikini finals or b- bikini March tournament. And they just had these girls coming out in bikinis, like, you know, every week we'll have a competition, like every week we'll be there, and we'll see who the bikini champion. Bro, if they did that, the ratings, you, you would get good numbers. It's like common sense, right? But it's like, that would just be like completely just shot down as something you can't even do because it's something you just don't do anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of the things, that the, a lot of the basic things in professional wrestling that, that we used to be able to do, you just cannot do them. And that's why I think it's like in a very tough place, you know? Let me ask you a question. If Vince McMahon came out one week in six months and said, you know, we've been doing things the way we've been doing things a long time now. And just like when we made an adjustment in the 90s, we realized that uh, it's, it's not working anymore. So no longer from this point on. No longer are we going to do scripted promos. The guys could, will be able to say what they want to say about their 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 matches. Not and not only that, we're going to push the people that you guys like. So whoever gets the biggest ratings on the television shows, those are the people who are going to be in the main events the next week. And if they stick to that, which is the big if, if Vince could stick to that, you don't think that that would create interest again, where people would say, "I want to watch because I'm a Ricochet fan and he never gets any time," or "I want to watch because I'm a I'm a." No. 
You don't think I'll, so? I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is why. Because remember when, when Vince McMahon came on the show a few months ago and said, we're going to change and, that, and nothing but changed. But they didn't. That's what I'm saying. If they actually really stuck to it. But that's the thing. Point. I don't think they think they – that, that's what I'm saying. Well, they don't know how to do it. They, they, bro, they would have done it by now. Well, If they knew what needed to be done, what are they waiting for? I don't, well, I don't know, but uh, you know, some would say that they 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 uh, lucked into the attitude error with the whole Vince turning heel thing after the Bret Hart screw job. But but you know, they I, a year before that, if you'd have said Vince was going to not be an announcer, he was going to come out and be the owner of the company as a heel, and they were going to start doing all these crazy things, I I I I, I bet you that nobody would have thought that that was going to work. But it worked. It got hot because it was different. So we'll see. Hey, I want to ask you, your buddy Vince Russo, what, you don't agree with him that obviously from what you're saying, what is this crap about WWE and, and all elite working together? Where, what is, what, 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 what planet is he on? It's so ass. It's okay. But here's, here's what they've done. This is what conspiracy theorists, theorists do. You take something that sounds like it could be plausible and then you you extrapolate that into a bigger picture, like when when it doesn't exist. Okay, um, perfect. His his Vince's this is Vince's theory is that he thinks that because when when Vince McMahon was bankrolling ECW and nobody knew about it, okay, where he was giving money to Paulie, and the only three people that knew about it were Paulie, Bruce, and Vince. Okay, and and. Six months after ECW, like they came into a booking meeting one day, and then and Vince McMahon told Vince Russo, "Oh, by the way, we're, we're you know uh, we're working with ECW," and like he had no clue, you know, it's because Bruce and Vince and and and, and uh, Paul were the only three people that knew that because Bruce has gone to work for WWE now. Bruce is good friends and was working with Conrad. Conrad Thompson is in bed with with Cody and the AEW. He thinks that this whole thing is a big thing, a big plan. For the WWD to create their own competition to turn things around again, and <laughs> that that's his theory because like because of the Bruce Conrad Vince Paul Heyman that because of those pieces that's that's what uh that that that's what Vince thinks is uh, is leading into the, that's his theory. Okay, and I, and Let I, me I, I, I don't even have to like you know, but I said like brother, a publicly traded company, you can't yeah. they can't be secretly bankrolling another company that'd be like inside if anybody that trades a stock or sells a stock like knows that this thing is going on is going to go to jail not like, not to, not to right? mention not to mention you just re-signed a huge deal with uh with uh, uh usa and signed a huge deal with fox you can't go on another network and promote wrestling that's why they paid right. the big money to be exclusive but let it's, me let me throw out another conspiracy that uh you might have heard back in the towards the end of wcw and russo came in there were a lot of people that said that russo because russo came in and he had his stock of booking and we could agree or disagree on whether it was good and whether it helped or whether it drew but uh but but things certainly didn't improve and you know what it led to it led to the end of the company and people thought that vince was sent there by Vin, by vince russo was sent there by vince mcmahon to tank wcw so and and at the time i was i didn't think that i thought that's absurd now I'm wondering if that's not really the case because, you know, somebody who participates in that kind of action probably doesn't believe any, believes it's happening all the time. Do you think there's a chance based on Russo's new theory that he really was a plant by Vince in WCW? I'm actually going to – I wish – I just did Russo's show today. 
before I came on with you. I wish you had told me that before because I would have brought that. I'm going to definitely bring that up next week. I've hit him up on, he, uh, on the I internet say, twice. I I'll hit him up no, on the internet. I'm going to tell him that the only reason you had this conspiracy theory is because you were involved in the biggest conspiracy theory that got kayfabe in the history of professional wrestling that Vince McMahon sent you to ruin WCW and you did and it never got out. Twice on Twitter, when he first came up with this whole theory, I responded to him and said very similar what I said to you, but it had to be a certain amount of characters, obviously. And, Go, and, bro, why don't you and he, didn't, he didn't respond. <laughs> it's hysterical because when we, we had him, me and Conan uh, uh, had him on the other day, too. And uh, we, when, when I was talking, asking about AEW and WWE, I thought was playing cuckoo clock sounds in the background. <laughs> bro why don't you get him on your show and ask him I mean, uh, he, tells a, he tells a good story you he tells the, but he tells the same stories in the same voice oh, you gotta hear this you gotta hear this story though this is the one that's like you know good you can he's got it all i'll give him this he's got an answer for a lot of the the critiques of his theory but they don't really make a lot of sense but he does have a lot of answers maybe you know? we'll maybe we'll see if we can get him on just to answer that question maybe you could be like the moderator are you game for that I would, I would do that, but I mean, you should be. You know, I want to say, I, I mean, it's so asinine, okay? But you can get you can get enough of people to believe it in this day and age of professional wrestling. You, oh, you this, get, this you, day and age of anything. Yeah, There's conspiracy right? theories on everything these days. All yeah. you got to do is turn on the TV, turn on the internet. There's conspiracy theories on the left, on the right, oh, uh, everywhere. So, well, here's the one I found out: is that the is that the the right right wingers are more inclined to like watch some more like like liberal stuff than than the liberals are to watch any right wing media. You know what I'm saying? It's like like the CNN, MSNBC crowd, and so like they look at Fox News as like this. Oh, they're horrified they, by it. Yeah, like they're like it's hell and the Satan is speaking. <laughs> like and they never even watch it. You know what I I'm like saying? to watch everything. I'll watch Don Lemon. I'll watch Anderson yeah. Cooper. I don't. I'm not a big Sean Hannity guy, but I'll watch Tucker Carlson. I'll watch. Uh, Here's what I know. do. I get like you go on YouTube, and if there's a hot topic, a political topic, I go and look and look at what everybody's talking about. You know what I'm saying? Which is the way it should be. You know, you consume all the media, but it's like, it's funny. That's like you know, but that's that's the thing. And pro wrestling is the same way. There's not a lot of media to consume. I hate to give them a cheap plug, but if you don't have to go on YouTube, have you ever heard of Mediaite? Oh, what's that? Mediaite's a website, and they basically every uh, all the crazy uh, you know segments on uh, the news that where people are arguing or people are they exaggerated a little bit and say yeah. you know such and such screams that you know and, and then you look well, at it. bro. The, the, here's the, thing, the, the other thing too is it's so it's so I don't want to say it's it's dishonest, but it kind of is, bro. CNN. MSNBC, Fox, everybody. They'll bring on the worst of the other side on their show and let's just just to mock them. You know what I'm saying? Like Fox brings on these lunatics, uh, you know, something and they'll the people sound like they're idiots, you know, and they make fun. And like the same thing, CNN will bring on some some right wing bozo that's way out there and stuff. Everything. And that's like, you know, and so people get the pictures like, oh, those are the right wingers and those are the those are the yeah. the, the, the liberals. And it's like you look in the middle. It's like no, people really aren't like that, you know. It's a, it's a, a lot of different. There's a lot of people out there searching for truth, you know, that that, that don't just accept it. Which is Plus, why like, I watch both sides. Yeah, and same thing with me. But same hey, thing. check out Mediaite because it's like the headlines of all the of all the stuff that's gone on in the news. that's interesting on cable television. So so that nice. that's it's you don't have to go searching for it anymore. It's right there. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, one last question. Uh, 
Ben Boudreaux. I like that name. Ben Boudreaux just kind of rolls off the tongue. Uh, he wanted me to ask you, is there anyone you actually dislike? And and I think back and you really don't have a lot. You have a lot of heat for just telling it the way it is, but you really don't dislike anybody. No, why, why, why do I mean, people, this is a funny thing about me is like, I, I'm out because I'm a contrarian. Okay. Because I speak what's on my mind and because I don't really back down from my views and I defend them. People think I'm a bad guy. You know, like, I'm like oh, he's terrible. He's a, but, but you know me and you know, people that meet me, like even the, even the, if I'm critical of professional wrestlers and people in the wrestling business, when they meet me and I see them, it's, it's not like anything I wouldn't tell them to their face. And like, they, they find out I'm a very respectful guy in that locker room to, to the business. You know, and it's like I've always been like that. So it's like I'm not I'm not a bad guy. I think it, I think it's funny that like people get that misconception of me just because of my views on wrestling, you know, <laughs> like my opinions and stuff. It's it's really weird, like like where we're where we're at when you're judging people based on like what they think of professional wrestling, you know. Yeah. By the way, uh, as you probably know, I think he he called you. I'm uh working in real estate with a uh, uh an old uh, poker buddy of yours. Chris Mankemeyer. Yes. Can hey. I? Hey, Jerry. Can I say somebody's name on the air? I guess. Of course. Why not? Yeah. I don't know. You know like you said, everybody's so politically correct these days. Uh, right. Yeah. So he's an old uh, gambling partner of yours from Atlanta. So uh, I hope you put in a good word for me. Uh, I did. Absolutely. I said you're a good guy. I said you'll like him. He said the first thing he said to me is he said he knew you and uh, he said does he get a discounted rate and I said no you actually get an increased rate. <laughs> but, but but uh but uh he he did tell me that raven is a horrible poker player which i never knew yeah he was he wasn't that good so it was interesting talking to him and uh speaking of gambling i know you're uh big into gambling and sports out there in vegas what do you think of my raise this year uh they're great they, well you know what though they, they caught uh they were making noise last year because their pitching staff was so good you know so they've, they've they've just picked up where they've left off basically they've, they've got that formula down how to uh how to shut other teams down. I don't know how they're doing it. Do you think they, uh, you think long-term they could be a player this year? Absolutely. It's all like, like all these, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing I'm not a fan of though, is this opener. Uh, yeah. The opener. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I just don't, I mean, like oh. I said, but baseball has gotten so weird. Where there's, you got four infielders playing on one in between on one side of the one side of the diamond, and so it's just crazy. It's just so many weird metrics involved now, and everything. I don't know. It's just you know. the funny thing about the shift in baseball is is because they point it out all the time, and nine probably ninety five percent of the time it works. It actually works, and the, the guy can't tries to hit it the other way where it's a clear field, and he can't. It's just old habits, and you and and ninety five percent of the time that shifting stuff works. I honestly. People don't even have to move. I, I mean, the ball comes right to them half the time. I honestly think that the, M the MLB sent out uh, basically um, because it would change the way all these teams do business with all the shifts and everything. I think MLB basically told teams, hey, you, we, we don't want you going out there and bunting out of the shifts. Like you could literally, bro, like when I'm watching these shifts, I'm going, how can a professional baseball player not just lay this bunt right down the third base baseline and take first base? Like, like, well, it's, it's like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like that happened that that never that they never do it. One, like, of, the, is, one well, of the one of the Oakland A's tried to do it against the Rays yesterday. A guy who never bunts like I think it was the second butt of his uh, five year career in the majors. And uh, and he bunted it foul. And then so he didn't want to bunt it again with two at uh, two strikes. So he hit the <laughs> ball and he hit it right to the guy that was in the shift. <laughs> exactly right to him. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Right. But uh 
Yeah, the other thing is they don't really teach bunting anymore. Nobody bunts. No, they try to hit home runs. It's a lost. It's a lost art. Hey, yeah. uh, hey, thanks for joining us. Any, any, uh, uh, real quickly as we uh, as we wrap it up, any uh, NFL scoops? Who do you like for the Super Bowl and the, the whole thing this year? Do you like anybody yet? Um, I really haven't started looking yet. I'll start. Uh, I, I'll tell you who I don't like. Who's I don't. Like, I don't like. I don't like the Raiders again. They're, they're going to be on hard knocks. <laughs> it's like, I, I think that's the worst of the, the worst thing for that team is going on hard knocks because those guys just love to play for the cameras, you know, Gruden, all those guys. And I just, that's not a good idea to me. A lot of egos on that team right now. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Should be interesting. All right. Uh, Glenn Gilberti, Disco Inferno. Thanks for coming back on. Maybe we'll get you to moderate me and Russo talking about his crazy conspiracy theory and whether <laughs> he's talking from experience, so to speak. <laughs> Right, 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 right. No, you can hit it with your conspiracy theory. And 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 as <laughs> yeah, always, actually, the, go ahead. There's as much evidence supporting your your theory as there is supporting his theory. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. Vince will never admit that he has all right. these numbers that, that that he swears that they went up. And if it wasn't for uh, if it Bro, wasn't, I, I I had an argument with them today on the show where Chris Jericho was asked about Vince's AWWW theory, right? And Jericho said. There's not even a 1% chance of that happening, right? Vince is trying to say, why would he say that? As if like the, the number between zero and 1% is like significant enough that like, since he didn't say, and I'm like, wait a second, Vince. I go, if he says less than 1%, well, what is the next number below one? <laughs> He's like zero. I go, yes, that's what basically we're saying in layman's terms. There is a 0% chance. He goes, no, 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 but 0.5. I'm like, come on, stop. I go, that's your evidence. I go, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> so if I, you know, good. I would bring up the, 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 the stuff to Vince, but then, you know, I know his, his go-to stuff. He's going to bring up standards and practices, bro. Standards and practices wouldn't let me do anything. If they don't let us do anything, we'd have been successful. Look at, look at Monday night raw. Yeah, right. uh, so I, uh, you know, it's the argument that the reason why I don't want to well, don't want to uh, have a long protracted argument is because I know his points and yeah. you know they're kind of hard to disprove because standards and practices were a pain in the ass and if you look back now no, you got to stop stop it because what you're doing now is you're, you're killing our theory <laughs> well <laughs> you're killing our theory no but he That's was right. just working with he but he was working with standards and practices ah that was all part of the facade. Yes, that was or either that or he knew that they were going to shut him down. So he came up with the most ridiculous stuff, knowing that not only would they shut him down, they'd shut him. They'd shut everything else down because they were just annoyed with how ridiculous he was being. Well, right. we'll have to talk about this further. Well, I'll text you off the off the air. But uh, thank you for your time. I know this is longer than we were originally going to speak, and I appreciate it. And uh, do you want to give your usual uh, uh, offer yes. to anybody who's That's in correct. Vegas? Yes, at the real disco on Twitter, at Disco Master Gigi on Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, I'm on Keeping It 100 with Conan that drops late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning on MLW Radio and uh, and iTunes. You can also catch me at, uh, on Vince Russo's show. I do it called Lions Tigers Bear. Today we uh, this is this is a funny thing. Everybody always says, "Oh, this Disco's a Russo's boy," you know, something like that. Bro, me and Vince argue every week on that show. So, so I'm not like I'm not drinking Vince's Kool-Aid and so when, when I'm doing we 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 have a lot of heated arguments and a lot of differences on that show. Um you can also catch me at uh if you're in Vegas and you want to come to the world's largest gentleman's club, Sapphire Gentleman's Club is where I work. If you dial 702-303-3430 and mention my name, we'll send a limo to pick you up, get you in for free, and get your free drink. It's a savings about ninety dollars per person. 
can't beat that. I haven't been to Vegas, but if I ever get out there, I'm definitely going to take the limo, have the free drink, and then walk right back out because I'm not, you know, not a big strip club guy. But uh, uh, you're cheap. You're cheap. You know, you know, maybe you could buy me a second one. Right. All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Glenn Gilberti, the Disco Inferno, entertaining and opinionated as always, and we'll stay in touch and talk to you soon. Always, Spencer. Always good to talk to you. Always a fun time to have Glenn Gilberti on the show. We uh, try to do that about once a year and uh, get his opinions of the state of professional wrestling. Uh, I'm going to agree to disagree with him on AEW, and uh, I also am going to agree to disagree with him on Vince McMahon uh, totally doing a 180, and I think uh, that might be able to work if it comes to that. But we don't know if it's going to come to that, but we'll see. We'll see who's right. He'll probably be right, the son of a gun. But I hope for AEW's sake, at least, that uh, that he's wrong. So uh, you never know. Maybe we'll uh, we'll have a little debate with Vince Russo on the conspiracy theory. Uh, uh, I tend to think that that's been done done before about a thousand times but uh hey listen if you'd like to hear it get hit me up on twitter at david penzer or at penzer ringside all one word if, if you'd like to hear me debate vince russo about uh my conspiracy theory versus his conspiracy theory hit me up if there's any interest we'll get it done if there's no interest we'll pass i guess hey uh Thanks for following me. Thanks for listening to City Rigside next week. A man who does not do a lot of podcast interviews. Only uh, only one or two that he's done uh, since the podcast explosion began. Uh, I'm talking about Kid Cash, the only man to ever hold a title in WWE, the XWF, TNA, and ECW. I don't even know if he knows that, but uh, I figured that out today. And also, I believe, and we'll find out next week... He uh, had the shortest tenure in WCW. I believe he signed his contract two days before the company announced it was going out of business. So that's always fun, and we'll hear his take on that, as well as his experiences with ECW, the XWF, WWE, and so much more. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to uh, subscribe if you have not already. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave a review if you can, and spread the word. Tell your friends and neighbors, and uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think. So until next week in Kid Cash, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter, at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. When I hear things like this, this is what makes me laugh, okay? Here's the newest disorder, everybody. You ready? Here's the newest disorder. Restrictive intake food disorder. You know what that is? That is your kids only eating certain things. Now, if you grow up with nothing and you're hungry and somebody puts liver and Brussels sprouts on your freaking plate, you know what you're going to eat? Liver and Brussels sprouts. I promise you. You know, if I had a nickel for every time somebody says, well, my kid only eats chicken fingers and chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And I go, well, your kid would be a dead son of a bitch if he lived in my house because we wouldn't bring that in my house. Do you know why he only eats that? Because he can. Because he can. If it was up to me, and that's the problem. Everybody, all these parents are leaving it up to the children.
All right? You're leaving it up to the children. No, I, one time in my life, my wife went, got up to try to cook something different for the children. I said, sit down. We don't do this in this world, and it's my world, unfortunately. Uh-uh. If you don't want to eat that, that's fine. But we, were not, we will not cater to you. Restrictive intake food disorder. Only in rich countries can that exist. You know that, right? I mean, if you're a poor country, boy, you better eat the ass out of a goat. Goat ass is delicious if you're hungry. Trust me. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.